Uh, good evening, everybody. This is Matt DeMarinas from White and Blue Review. I'm joined by Johnny Atala of the Omaha World Herald. Um, this is kind of a new thing we're going to do for home games this year, uh, since we'll both be in the venue. Um, I think I'm working on the name, but I think the Blue Jay beat works, so I think I'm going to stay with that until someone comes up with a better idea. Sounds good to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So or, or, or just like two guys stranded in the bowels of our of the arena. Yeah. Two random dudes here at late hours <laughs> yeah. of the night. We're like nothing, the last, nothing else to talk about. The last people here. A little wordy, but we'll figure it out. Um, so basically, we're just going to give you kind of uh, the way it's going to go. Just a quick breakdown of you know what we saw, why we saw it, uh, maybe some of the things that we saw in practice leading up to you know the game, and kind of how those things came to fruition, or if they didn't. That's basically going to be the gist of these breakdowns. Um, as we go throughout the season, we'll send out uh, tweets and kind of get some questions maybe sent in from you guys uh, if the, anybody listens to this. And, uh, <laughs> and we'll be, you know, we fair to, sure to answer them as we can. Um, so I guess first of all, John, I'll let you lead off with just your general thoughts of uh, Creighton's performance in a 967 not as much of a blowout as that final score indicates win over UNO in a charity exhibition. Right. Um, well, I mean, there were shaky moments and moments of kind of sloppiness and uh, just maybe confusion that I think were probably pretty expected given the time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple things jumped out at me. I mean, Kyrie Thomas taking 17 shots was... More than Marcus Foster, right? Right. Attempted more shots than Marcus Foster. Because we've seen that aggressiveness in practice from yeah. him. But I, w- I just wasn't sure if it was going to translate in the game. You know, in practice, you kind of have the freedom. Or maybe that... Um, uh, you, you just know there's there's less fewer consequences. Um, the pressure's on a little bit. And I know it's still an exhibition. So um, we're not talking about an actual game in this moment. But um, I thought just... You know, even though we only made eight of the seventeen, I think most of them were open jumpers or going at the rim, and I think Creighton will live with that, and they need that actually. Yeah. Um, so, to me, that was one thing that stood out. Um, um, and just to play off that point yeah. a little bit, because it's a positive that I took away was that I don't know if it was planned this way, but it seemed like it was because it carried it went this way the whole entire game. Was that Greg McDermott did not have a moment of game time except for at the end when it was in hand where both Kyrie Thomas and Marcus Foster were off the floor. So it seems like that's a point uh, that Creighton kind of understands these are our yep. two best players and there kind of is a gap there so we have to have at least one of them off the f- on the floor at all times you know, if not both of them for the majority of the time and I think that's where Kyrie probably is going to have more assertive moments, you know, more opportunities to be the number one option is when Marcus Foster's getting a breather and when, you know, guys like Mitch and Tyshawn, who he mentioned tonight in his postgame, are really close to being ready and earning roles. But obviously they play behind the two best players on the team, so they need right. to find ways to get them on the floor. So I think, you know, Kyrie's 17 shot attempts is a byproduct of, you know, him having moments where Marcus was on the bench getting a breather and, you know, the offense could kind of flow through him. Um, and then with Marcus, I mean – it's, I feel like every game we're going to be assessing or sort of evaluating the, the play of the top two guys because the yep. team is going to be uh, – it's going to ebb and flow with the way that those two guys perform. Uh, but Marcus, we talked a lot with him about his shot selection and not being reliant on 
only jumpers or just trying to create around the perimeter, making sure that he attacks the basket and utilizes his skill set in that way. So to have an 8 for 11 night, clearly there was a mismatch on the floor, <laughs> obviously. Yes. Um, he, he knew what he could do, and uh, he was really confident in doing that. But uh, 8 of 11 is it's still a good sign. So you take what you what you can get, I guess, with him. And, uh, um, I mean, we only have one true in-game evaluation. Sure, so, yeah, right, right. Um, but, I mean, that, that's something that's you mentioned, I think, at practice the other day. Because uh, 7 of 11 of his 11 attempts were three-pointers, so he is that's still, true. Shooting, still jump, shooting He's still shooting jump shots. But, but I think you mentioned the other day that uh, at practice you had an observation that um, – he kind of has a little bit of a fade to his shot sometimes when he's maybe getting fatigued or tired a little bit. And it didn't seem like that was as big of a problem tonight. It seemed like he had more of a balance to his shot tonight where, yeah. you know, I, th- I, think the, I think when he starts fading away a little bit is when some of the inner inaccuracies come in and Creighton's kind of worked on him to get, you know, more square as he shoots. Because obviously, you know, with guys that are really good at step backs and jab steps and kind of creating their own shots, there's just a natural flair to that I guess but it seemed like he was more in tune with his with his mechanics tonight than you know than that times last year right yeah so I think the other guys on the roster I think it's just kind of going to be um you know you got to let them grow yeah. and and let them find their roles and sort of adjust work out and, and figure out what their niche is going to be how they're going to contribute so I'm, I'm going to sort of wait to wait to judge that those guys um but I'm curious Give me your uh, biggest concern at this point after watching practice and, and seeing the game play out uh, the way it did. Well, obviously, it's maybe too simplistic to say post-play. I'll, I guess I'll hone it in on defensive rebounding because that's something that from day one they've talked about. And I think were, – Were you surprised, by the way, to see the numbers at Minnesota? I mean, Minnesota has some some size inside, and, and yeah. Creighton hung in yeah. defensively Absol- absolutely. on the boards. Anyway. But, but, but part of that I'm wondering is Minnesota also scored 91 points. <laughs> yes, so they shot 50% yeah. in the field. So as there well. weren't many opportunities to grab <laughs> offensive rebounds, yeah. so that kind of makes your defensive rebounding better when the shots are going in most of the time. UNO yeah. obviously shot 30%, so there were more misses. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, to see you know 19 second chance points and 13 offense or 19 offensive rebounds on 19 second I mean, one-to-one ratio on offensive rebounds and second chance points is probably good. To only give up one yeah. to one, but now we have to like, you know, uh, quantify that from UNO to a Big East team. What is a Big East team going to do with 19 offensive rebounds? I feel like more than 19 second chance points. Um, so that's an issue still to me. Um, you know, and Jacob Everson, I think I don't think this will be one of his highlights of his career. I think he's going to have a good career, but tonight I don't think was a good night. Um, he had trouble securing the ball. I think he lost two or three mm-hmm. clean rebounds in his hands. Just just straight up lost him out of bounds. Yeah, it's interesting watching sort of the evolution of those uh, the freshmen because, uh, and, and Coach McDermott has said this a few times that uh, Mitch Ballack and Tyshawn Alexander look comfortable and they don't get sped up. Whereas Jacob is still adjusting to the speed of the game. It seems, and that was pretty evident. Um, against UNO at times, just being in the right position and reacting in the right in the right way. I mean, he looked great going for that lob and and throwing down that alley oop. Yeah. But um, you know, there's still moments, uh, areas w- that need to be refined. And um, you know, perhaps he would benefit from a wretched year, but Creighton can't afford it. So, right. The other big evaluation point, I guess, is the point guard position. That's, um, yeah. Which you know, that's I guess it's going to be a popular talking point throughout the season. 
Um, I think one of my question marks, I would probably agree with you, defensive rebounding and just defense in general is probably yeah. the, the biggest concern for this team. Interior defense maybe, um, protecting the rim. Fouls, the fouls were an issue. Fouls, right? yeah. I mean, if you talk about like the foul. fouls per minutes for the big guys, I mean, mm-hmm. Martin fouled out in 16 minutes. Um, I think Manny ended up with, what did he, how many fouls did he have? Three. Everson had three. And all, so both those guys had six fouls in 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then Martin fouls out in 15. That's a lot of fouls. Right. Something and, and, and UNO wasn't exactly trying to pound the rock inside right. or, you know, um, bother creating that way. Well, something that I noticed, too, and this might be a byproduct of it being October because you know, you know how much Creighton spends, how much time they spend on um, running plays and, and working uh, things out so that the timing is perfect right. and, and everything flows effectively on, on offense. But I felt like when they weren't in the transition – uh, you know, secondary break or fast break, it it seemed to be it seemed to bog down a little bit offensively, just, or just like, like that, yeah. maybe a little bit disjointed. And I f- feel like I, s- I saw it flow a little bit better in practice, even um, than we saw on Thursday night. So um, whether that's a result of you know not having a true point guard or just for me, I kind of just it kind of just felt like the guys who weren't named Marcus Foster or Kyrie Thomas just weren't as assertive as they have been at times in practice so I mean I think I said during the game that I think this team is going to be good because of Marcus and Kyrie I just feel like if you've got two guys that are that talented you're going to be a good basketball team you're going to win games but I think how good whether that's NCAA tournament whether that's winning games in the NCAA tournament whether that's contending for a big east title um you know making a run at MSG like all those sorts of things that you don't really plan for until they happen will depend on how good everyone else around them is yeah. like i feel like they're good enough to kind of get them in position for those for those things um but it'll just just depends on how much help because i think i asked you during the game how much of the offensive production what percentage of the offensive production right. can Kyrie thomas and marcus foster what's their number to where they're doing their job yeah and then what's everybody else got to produce? Like, what's 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 the balance? And I think what you landed on sixty percent feels like a good number. No, or? I said sixty would be high. That'd be kind yeah, of yeah, right. It would be sixty would be concerning because that means the others aren't kind of um, at that the level they need to be. I right. don't, I, tonight, I mean, tonight was forty one points, and who knows what their assists led to or uh, what their penetration led to as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's a way to track that statistically or not, but like, um, it felt like. Especially in the half court, Creighton was really relying on those two uh, to create and, and kind of get things jump started, which isn't a bad thing because they are really good players. But I think you'd also like to see other guys because I think other guys had openings, um, they had chances to attack or at least pull the trigger, and um, maybe they just were a little bit hesitant because it was the first time out there. So, so I guess we, we can and you know on the point guard thing we could probably go for a very long time on that. So we'll just kind of break it down and I'll just take. Maybe one or two takeaways from what you saw out of the guys initiating the offense. Let's make it a point to not mention Marcus and Kyrie because we know that they initiated some of the offense when they, they had to get Mitch and Tyshawn into the game. So we know that's going to be something that uh, the coach well, tries to do because I do like it. that lineup. What was it? Right. Uh, I think it was Balik, Kyrie, um, Foster. Ronnie Harrell, Martin Crumple. We haven't talked about Ronnie yet tonight. No, he yeah, he, a, lot, a lot of energy in the second half yeah. from Ronnie. I, I was actually that was, he's another guy. You know, when I talked about just kind of aggressiveness offensively, like I thought I'd see more from him in the first half. Second half, he was all over the place. But yeah. but anyway, that lineup, those five, that was intriguing to me. I like that one. That's I think, four guys who, if the ball's in their hands at any time, can just 
create. Yeah. Whether they're whether they're doing it for themselves or for others, right. they have that ability to just keep things moving, make defenses rotate, and get out of position and things like that. Anyway, point guard. Um, yeah. You <laughs> see how we could do this. Uh, a couple takeaways. I think first of all, it was good to see Caleb Joseph on the floor. Um, you know, even in well, this isn't a joke. Even in practice, like he has not been playing as much and certainly not consistently because that hamstring has really been bothering him. Yeah, I mean, like how many he's times frustrated when it when it. I was going to say how he, many times has he pulled himself yeah. out of practice because he literally. Just I mean, can't he literally go. just can't even yeah. move. You know, can't move laterally and things like that. So it's really been bugging him. I know it's been a point of frustration for him. So it was good to see him get some minutes on the floor tonight. Uh, I thought he ran the show effectively. I don't know. Um, what his ceiling is when he's 100% healthy, mm-hmm. like how if he's just, yeah, Caleb's the number one guy, give him the ball for 30 to 35 minutes and let him run the show and everybody else can kind of, you know, play off of him. Or if he's, uh, like Coach Mack mentioned in the post game, if it's going to be a fluid situation where a thing we talked about last year is, you know, it seems like it was a different guy every night. He didn't seem like – he didn't back off of that – tonight and I, I thought that was kind of surprising a little bit but it seems like there's more the guys are more confident in that if it's someone's night just let them play and yeah. to have options I guess is not necessarily as much of a negative as I thought it might be. Oh, I thought Davion had a good second half Coach yeah. Mike, um alluded to that after the game um, and so I I think I think you're right, though, man. I, I'm I'm kind of leaning more toward the spy committee approach, playing the matchups. I don't think that that's exactly how Creighton would like it to unfold, but right. it just seems like uh, because no one has emerged to this point, and maybe Caleb gets healthy and, and he really takes off, or, or maybe things click for Davion. Maybe uh, um, um, they can bring along somebody else. But it, to me, it seems like they're really just going to be sort of maneuvering it as, as on the fly. And... Uh, um, that could get a little dicey at times. It could, but sure, it but it also it also could be beneficial to have multiple guys ready to play because yeah. they're all good experience, especially early in the season. Um, so, I mean, we definitely know for sure that one torn ACL isn't going to send the team into panic mode. That's for th- sure. That, no, that so because everybody's kind of ready to be yeah. the next man up as it is. It doesn't seem like it's like a, a, a resolution is around the corner no, at there. Uh, yeah, so, no. But um, it also doesn't seem to be like doesn't seem to be like keeping guys up that much at night. I mean no. I, I thought coming into the season that I was expecting someone to grab the role and was expecting to kind of see that play out. Um and because I hadn't, I think I was throwing that into the the con basket as far as like that's a bad thing. But maybe there just isn't any separation. Maybe they just all kind of are good enough to do the job. And then night to night, uh, you know, week to week, as far as who's maybe having the best practices and things like that, it'll just be a fluid situation where, look, this guy's playing the best. He's going to get the minutes. Right. That seems it seems difficult to manage, honestly. It does. It, but it I don't envy of, that situation. Right. I think it puts standpoint. a lot of pressure on the coaches to make the right calls and to read their guys well and and to have a good sort of projection going into games. But, um, I, mean, you, I mean, you could go the other way and just say, hey, let's lean on one guy and just say. Um, you know, he he's he's performed the best, and even though it's just kind of slightly better than the next guy, mm-hmm. we're just going to ride him because uh, we want to pick one guy. I don't know if I don't know if they'll they'll do that or not, but certainly the 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 evaluation's still going on. I mean, Coach McDermott alluded to at, or said at the after the game that they want to get Caleb healthy. He's getting closer to being healthy, so yep. once they they have him um, at full strength, they can get a truer assessment of what he can do and how he fits in the offense so 
until that happens, I don't think that you're going to see any sort of declarative, concrete statements from Coach McDermott and the coaching staff about who's going to be their point guard. Yeah. I think final thing we'll touch on tonight um, before we wrap it up is, uh, you know, it's been a long time coming for these teams to play each other, and I know there's been a lot of talk in the community about making this thing an annual thing, you know, just because of, you know, proximity and I guess the – you know, Creighton's playing, I guess, worse RPI teams than UNO, so it's not necessarily something where they like where they have to protect their <laughs> their schedule. Yeah, their 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 the, the the integrity of their non conference by you know by necessarily not having UNO on it. But I mean, do you see this as a thing that they should play annually in the regular season? Do you see it as something maybe if the NCAA uh, you know kind of tries to attach itself to this charity exhibition thing on an annual basis, where that's the game they play? Right. Um, Obviously, with eight e two hundred a night on eight days' notice, I don't know how you feel about that. I think it was. I think that's okay. You know, I thought that I, was. Really, I, yeah. I thought maybe they'd get a couple thousand more. Okay. Um, I, I was. I certainly wasn't expecting a sellout uh, by any means. Um, I mean, eighty two is a pretty good number. Yeah, that's bigger than an IT crowd. So I mean, yeah, I was expecting something around there. So. Right. Um, I think that. You know, I th- I thought maybe I, th- I thought actually I'd see a little bit more UNO red and black in the yeah. stands than I did, but um, should they play every year during the regular season? I think I think yes. I think mm-hmm. it'd be fun. That's just that's me. You think it just makes sense? Like, just for, a, yeah, but yeah. it's a selfish comment for me. Like yeah. I don't run a program. I'm not in charge of what Creighton has to do in terms of getting their schedule together. So um, I know that the. Uh, the threat or the possibility of a loss to your mm-hmm. cross-town rival is real yeah. because that happens all over the country. Um, but I don't care what how good of a team you are uh, when you play a team that's highly motivated because they feel slighted or they feel like you're the team that gets the attention and the love and they're disrespected. Like they're good. It's tough to play a motivated team year yeah. after year like that. Um, so I can understand the hesitancy. But I'd like to see it. I'm of the mind, I guess, if it's going to be in the regular season, just because of the nature of the competition uh, where they are, they're both kind of battling for the same area, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the same territory. Um, And my position has kind of been, is it a buy game for UNO? Is it split revenue? Or do, like, they go back and forth? Like, does, does... is it home and home? Like, does Creighton go to Baxter? Does UNO come to right. the Century Link Center? And is it kind of, like, just turn into a series like that? Or is it Creighton constantly pays UNO to come to the clink or whatever it is? You know what I mean? Like, one of those things where you're essentially funneling money into the Nebraska-Omaha athletic department yeah. for them to continue to put Omaha's team billboards up. Like, are you essentially paying for those yourself by right. paying UNO to come play you? Well, yeah. So I don't know the logistics of it, all that. I figure... I'd imagine that the, the fee would be, or um, sort of the... The price would be lower right. than maybe a normal non-con game a, because yeah, they're, they're they're closer. To this right? Yeah, yeah, they literally just have to. Mac joke tonight. What he's closer to? He's Darren close. Hose is closer to home. Than yeah, he was like the visitor tonight. Right. So yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the financials play into it, and there's something to be said about you know. Um, but they play every other sport though, so. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. There's something to be said about Creighton uh, giving UNO a platform when it feels like. It is sort of competing. There's there's only a certain amount of players locally, yeah. especially when they're um, talented that that you can go after. So I get that, but I know from from a fan standpoint, a, a fan of college basketball, the game I'd like to see him play. Yeah. And okay, if if the NCAA 
um, is smart, they'll let teams play these charity exhibitions every year. And so if Creighton wants well, we to... we know that, first of all, we probably disqualify your if. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, for a different reason. But well, I mean, they have, yeah, they have their like... own rules and their regulations, whatever. They, I'm sure they want to try to avoid... Uh, allowing teams to abuse this thing, but uh, to me, I don't. I, it doesn't seem. It seems like there is no negative consequence that un, or unforeseen consequence yeah. to allowing teams to play a charity exhibition every every season. So if plus, if, did they not just add an exhibition to the soccer season? So what's the re? Like, doesn't it just? Can't you just do that then? I, I guess, think to you basketball? could. Yeah, like, sure. Why not? I'm sure Ben Soccer is not the cutthroat recruiting <laughs> no. bloodbath that Ben's basketball is, but you know. I feel like if you can just say yeah, just right. add that, just make it. A I'd, be, thing. I'd honestly be curious to see what the players think. I, I you know, I, I asked them about playing U and O, and they were pumped about that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't ask them about you know what's it, what would be the thought of, you know, adding another game sort of to your preseason schedule. I'd imagine most of them would, in like appreciate like they get pumped for that. They they mm-hmm. they'd like that, um, even though it does take a little bit of a toll on your body, but. So does practice. Yeah, no. <laughs> so if, if you, you got to choose, I think if you made them choose a game over practice, they would definitely choose <laughs> yeah. a game. Just because, uh, I mean, I think uh, Coach McAlooters who tonight just playing in a practice. You kind of, as you go through the motions, you just it kind of becomes you know boring after a while and the same old stuff. So to play and, an opponent in the middle yeah. of all that, whether it's whether it's sloppy like it was tonight, like you mentioned, you're not supposed to be playing games in October. Yeah. That was a funny it comment. It kind of looked like it, so. That was a funny comment by McDermott, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think if it's, you know, one of those things. I think they should play every year just because if you're occupying the same territory and competing in Division One, it just makes sense to be on the same schedule. Um, but, I mean, home and home wouldn't be bad. I mean, it just depends on the the demand be, for it. Like, yeah. 8200 fits in Baxter perfectly. Right. That's a, that's a packed place. Tonight at the CenturyLink Center. Looks, Again, that makes it seem like not everybody's interested. And, yeah. It's all quiet. There's not many moments to cheer for. Like, it's noticeable yeah. when the place is half full versus Baxter. It would be totally full tonight. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's It was a good thing, though, altogether. <laughs> I think it was really cool that the three game officials donated their checks. I didn't know they were doing that. I didn't either. Um, until yep. they announced it during the game. That's pretty neat. Um, and they were, I think they were all local guys, too. I recognized two of them. Mm-hmm. Higgins, for sure. Um, so, I don't know if that, was, if that factored into their generosity or not um but that was a pretty cool moment i think all in all together it was a pretty successful night just having these two teams on the floor for it was just cool to see the colors yeah. you know the the uniforms on the floor at the same time as much as the opposing fan bases hate those colors it's cool to see them on the floor <laughs> yeah in competition like the exactly. red the black the blue the white all that right yeah Okay, well, I think uh, 22 minutes, man. Um, that went a little bit longer than I figured it might, but, you know, there was kind of a lot to dissect being the first time that we've seen the team under the lights. So um, we will get this going again November 3rd against, is it UMC Pembroke? Is that Correct. Is? Pembroke. I believe so. Really? Yes. Yeah. unfortunate. To Never say heard of that team until yeah. they were scheduled um, as an exhibition opponent, so... So it's actual school. It's not one of these like all-star former college player teams. Who knows? Right? I mean, I don't know. I find out when have, we get there. Yeah, have you scouted them yet? I haven't scouted okay. them yet. I'll look on Synergy later to see <laughs> if they're on there or not. <laughs> you gotta, I don't know. You got to check yeah. check the film, man. Yeah. So that's uh what eight days from now, or what are we at midnight yet? No, not yet. So eight days from now, technically, um, we'll break that one down, give you our thoughts, uh, and I promise to send out a tweet next time so we can get some questions going. Maybe if you guys have any 
things you want to talk about or want us to talk about. Um, but in the meantime, check out John's work at Omaha.com. He does a great job covering Creighton Athletics, uh, volleyball, soccer, baseball, both men's and women's hoops. Um, really talented guy. Check out his stuff if you haven't. And if you want some dessert after checking out his stuff, you can come over to White and Blue Review and read my, t- read my stuff if you want. Um, Do it. Yeah. So in the meantime, we will check you. We'll talk to you all next Friday. Peace.